welcome back to the Whatnots Review Show number 175. A buck 75. That's a lot of them. We're Big. on our way to 200. Yeah, We're, we'll, we'll get there one day soon. Uh, but welcome back. Uh, if you guys did not know, this is our weekly book club style podcast covering all sorts of genres and mediums. There's bound to be something you guys will enjoy. My name is Kyle Springer, and I am joined by Melissa Wilkinson. Melissa, how's Hi. it going? It's good. We're recording a little bit later today because I just wanted to get a haircut. <laughs> I need to feel fresh. I need to feel bouncy. It feels good to get a good haircut, right? Mm. It's it just it, there's something about it. It's one of those things you can do to just like take care of yourself, right? And it's just like, mm. oh, man. I needed this. Feels good. Feels good. Hair haircuts are a great thing. Uh, I I do not have a fresh haircut, uh, <laughs> but I am still trying to get my sleep schedule uh, back on track. Uh, I am I've have been awake for about twenty four hours straight as of right now. Why? So, uh, <laughs> you podcast under that condition. <laughs> oh, Melissa, I'm podcasting under that condition. Here we go. Um, so I, I mentioned to you on Friday on the Captain's mm -hmm. Log, our, one of our, our podcasts that we do here at The Whatnots. And uh, I was like, yeah, I'm trying to get my sleep schedule back on track. I'm almost there. And Friday night was meant to be that like the night that I made the breakthrough. Uh, and it went to hell. It, it, it did not go well. I was about to fall asleep. And then I was like, all right, this is it. I can finally sleep. And I got up to use the bathroom. And like as I was like walking around and stuff, I guess that just like got my blood yeah or something and it woke me up and i was up till like five in the morning that was mistake number one and then mistake number two was that my alarm was set for like 10 45 and the plan was to get out of the house go to the comic book store just be out and do, 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 yeah. do stuff uh, and I turned my alarm off and went right back to sleep. And I slept for, for like six hours after that. <laughs> so oh. uh, I, I got a lot of good rest. But again, it was just like my my sleep schedule is fucked. So at that, I, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to buy a bunch of soda and energy drinks. And I'm, I'm <laughs> going to uh, just like hard reset just like stay up for as long as i can until the next day and then hopefully go to bed at a good time so that's me that's what i've been up <gasps> good to, luck with that. Enough of that thank you i'm i'm dead tired and immediately after this i'm gonna go hibernate for a month so mm -hmm. sounds good but enough of that uh melissa you and i are here to talk about the movie looper Mm-hmm. Looper, looper, looper. I'm excited to talk about this one. This is week two in our sh our Shame Timber series. We started this tradition last year where we each pick something that is on our mm -hmm. list of shame. It could be a movie or something that is just like generally accepted in pop culture as like, yeah. this is important. You need to see this. 
uh and or or it can be something that is like maybe more specific to you of of like hey kyle you're a big time travel movie fan how come you haven't seen looper yeah Uh, and so that is what we ended up watching this week and i Uh, and i think it's funny because last year you gave me a list of just big sci-fi movies you hadn't seen no particular sub-genre within sci-fi and we watched another Bruce Willis movie. <laughs> we watched we The Fifth did, Element. We? we did, yeah. God, we've watched, um, now we've watched five Bruce Willis movies over the last year? Because we God. also covered the Unbreakable trilogy in, like, November. That's right. Wow. A lot yeah. of Bruce Willis. He watches over us. Oh, it... It's all just one big loop, one big Bruce Willis loop here. Yeah, 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 I know. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, I I had never seen Looper before, and I had I had heard really really good things that it was just a great movie in general. Yeah, uh, but it's also a time travel movie, uh, and that it was a very very good one. And I don't know why I I I, I don't know. Like, so this came out in twenty twelve. Um, mm-hmm. I guess I don't know what the hell I was up to in 2012 because <laughs> it wasn't watching this. <laughs> uh, but had 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 you seen this movie before? Yeah, I did rent this. I think around when it came out. Okay, I liked it. Yeah, and watching it again, there were so many things that I forgot were part of the story. <laughs> like I remember that I enjoyed it, but I remembered like. Only thirty percent of what happened. Interesting. Okay, it it doesn't necessarily seem like a movie that repeat viewings will like help you find newer, better details and stuff like that. I I I feel like you're you're pretty solid just having watched it once. But I I I feel like despite that, it's still rewatchable. Like it's just it's a yeah. good movie, right? Yeah, um, it's rich with a lot of details. There's a lot of different yeah. things you can focus on. But yeah, the time travel itself is not uh, excessively twisty. Like, you pretty much do get it the first time you watch the movie. Yeah, yeah. I To, to be honest, I would kind of say that the time travel side of this is kind of just in the back around. Like, it's yeah. a thing that exists, but that's not really what the movie is about, per se. Mm. Um, and it's not about them time traveling back and forth and this and that. Um, but it's 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 yeah, it's we'll we'll explain the plot in a sec here. But uh, yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed this. I I, I was kind of kicking my, my, myself of like, man, I really did mess up by not watching this. Yeah. sooner. This is such a Kyle movie. I forgot how it much really of a, a crime and neo-noir story it is. You love that? Absolutely. I, I was watching this and just being like, man, this is like the perfect movie for me. This is great. I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so, so, yeah, yeah, I, I had a blast watching this one. Uh, let's see, I guess, so, so basic synopsis of, uh-huh. of this is that in the future, time travel exists, but it has been outlawed. 
And so the only people that are using it are basically criminals, the ones that can afford it. Uh, and Outlaws. the ones that yes. yeah, know, know how to get it on the back, back channels, black markets, the stuff like that. Mm. And it seems like the main way most people are using it is to dispose of bodies. Um, well, mm-hmm. I guess I j- dispose of people that they want to kill. Uh, and the way they yeah. do that is to send them back in the past 30 years where they've set up an organization of, I, I guess you could say, like hitmen uh, that yeah. they call loopers. Um, and they they're the ones that will be like, hey, be there at this certain spot at this certain time ready with your gun because. Some guy will just pop out of nowhere and then bang, he gets shot and killed. And then they have to dispose of the body, thus leaving no evidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the like the basic setup. But then the, the actual like action of the movie kind of starts when uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character um, meets his older self, his older self is sent back in time. And yeah, there's um the loopers will eventually have to kill themselves when their organizers decide to close out their contracts. They send their own body back and like mm-hmm. you, uh, the body shows up. Well, the person shows up. They've got a bag on your head. You know, they, they pop back 30 up, years yeah. in the past. You just shoot them immediately. And then they've got like a package of like silver bars on their body. And that's your payment for the hit job. If you like open their jacket up and you find a package of gold bars, you realize that, that was you. You yeah. killed yourself from the future. You are now retired. This is your goal to like live out the rest of your life. But you know your life is only, it's 30 years from that date. Like, you know exactly yep. how and when you're going out. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so the thing that's different with this mm. one, though, is that when uh, the older version of J- J- Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character, played by Bruce his char- Willis. It also, his name is just Joe. <laughs> hey there, Joe. Joe Schmo. You can just um, say Joe. It counts as both actor and character. When old Joe pops up, he's not tied up and he has no Mm. mask on his face. So immediately young Joe is like, oh, shit, something's up. Uh, And it seems like Bruce Willis is up to something. Good old old Joe is up to something. And so they're Mm. they're trying to figure out what it is, how to stop him, how to capture him. Because if you let your older self go, that's also a violation. Uh, Yeah. Stuff like that. And young Joe didn't let him go on purpose, but uh, he, it, it still has to be like, oh, shit, I have to go get my older yeah. self and be like, what the hell, dude? <laughs> yeah. And old Joe is on the search for uh, in the future. He comes from there is this terrible like uh, terrorist, just this this guy trying to take over the entire world. He's taking control of all these different criminal syndicates. Uh, and he's yeah. known only as the Rainmaker. Nobody knows hardly anything about him. But old Joe's got a couple pieces of evidence that could lead him to where child Rainmaker is, the kid that will grow up to be this terror. And he's out there trying to find that kid as still a kid and kill him. And yeah. uh, young Joe is uh, on his tail trying to stop him from just killing an innocent kid. 
<laughs> whose life still has a chance to turn out differently. There you go. That's that's actually mm. actually most of the m- <laughs> m- yeah. movie. Um, it's 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 complicated because of time travel and having to explain the setup of how the world mm. works. Uh, but when you get down to it, it's a pretty simple, straightforward movie. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I, 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 I think this is a blast. If you have not seen it yet, please go check it out because uh, mm-hmm. it is well worth your time. I yes. believe. Uh, Melissa, do you have final thoughts you want to say for spoiler free stuff? Um, Something we, uh, it also we features missed. Emily Blunt and a cornfield. Those are also important parts of the movie we haven't mentioned yet. Emily yeah. and corn. Last but not least, this was directed by Ryan Johnson. So wait a minute. Uh, it's not even a cornfield. It's like cane. She grows like sugar cane or something. But something it's, you know, like it's that, a plant yeah. field. You get the energy of it. Big old field. It's corn energy. Field of dreams. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so that's about it That for all of the spoiler-free plot synopsis stuff that we will touch on now, which means let's go into a little bit of housekeeping, and then when we come back, we'll get into our spoiler-filled thoughts and discussion after that. We will be right back. We put a lot of hard work into the shows that we make. And yes, we make multiple different shows here at The Whatnots, and we'd love it if you would check them all out. You can find out more information on our website at thewhatnots.com, as well as your favorite podcasting platform of choice. When you type in The Whatnots, all of our shows will pop up right there. Just don't forget to give us a nice rating and review if you like the shows. If you want to support what we do here at The Whatnots, patreon.com slash thewhatnots is the best place to do that. You can support us for as little as a dollar a month. You can get all kinds of exclusive content at the $3 tier. You can also get a shout out and thank you on all of our shows at the $5 tier. You can support us on Twitch by subscribing to our channel at twitch.tv slash the whatnots. And we would love to have you all join us for our live streams and talk with us in the chat. And lastly, we have merch. If you want to grab yourself a shirt or a sweatshirt or a mug or something else, go to the whatnots.com slash store to pick up some merch today. And we are back. A big shout out to our Patreon supporters at the $5 tier and above. So thank you so much to Sam. We appreciate you. Sam. We love you a lot. Uh, It means a lot that you have been supporting us for so long. So thank you. Cool things that we've been doing here at the Whatnots. Uh, We are still chugging along on our reactions to Marvel's What If. Uh, Yeah. That is is going up every Wednesday. Uh, So be on the lookout for that. Uh, The Captain's Log, if everything goes according to plan, uh, I think we're going to have a special guest on this next week. Uh, So keep an eye out for that as well. Uh, And I think uh, Crossplay, our video game podcast, was a lot of fun this week. I got to talk about Deathloop, uh, which is a game that I've been playing right now. So if you're a fan of time travel and you like time loops, loops and stuff all like that yeah more time loops in death loop i just uh, i'm just a big fan of circles <laughs> i just like circles it's great <laughs> uh, 
yeah, so go go check all of that stuff out. Uh, but without further ado, let's get into our spoiler zone. There we are. Spoiler filled discussion starts now. Um, I don't believe I've seen Jeff Daniels in very many I've I've seen him in I'm a number of things. We're starting with Jeff Daniels. This is a good place to start, right? Yeah, he's he's <laughs> he's in this movie too, and of course, being a '90s kid, I immediately recognize him from Dumb and Dumber. I know I've seen him in like more in more dramatic. Rails, yeah but it's always so weird for me to see him in that stuff because like i i know him from dumb and dumber see, see i've never seen dumb and dumber and as a kid wow. I, I i don't know i i like and i hardly saw jeff daniels in anything and whenever i did see him like i i thought he was dave cool yay and i couldn't understand <laughs> that he wasn't you know when you're really little compute. and like there's two people who like kind of look alike and your brain just isn't that good at differentiating things yet. And you're like, you just keep hitting a wall. Like there were these yeah. two boys who yeah. lived across the street from me and they were like three years apart or whatever. And they're brothers. So they kind of look alike. But like, I could not tell the two of them apart remotely, even though there's <laughs> like one of them's much taller. They do have differences. Like They're I just not couldn't twins, <laughs> right? Like I did. So I've never really understood Jeff Daniels as anything other than like uh, an aberration in the universe until recently. <laughs> Jeff Daniels, the enigma. <laughs> there's there's many actors that have frustrated me because I think they're supposed to be somebody else, and you know, as I become as I That's go funny. beyond being a child whose brain is still forming in her head physically uh i can understand jeff daniels better <laughs> he's in the movie pleasantville i watched pleasantville earlier this year uh right when wandavision was starting he has a great performance in that as a sad a diner owner good actor yeah 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 i was happy to see him again i forgot he was in this I think in 2012, I knew he was a separate person from Dave Coulier, but I still didn't have anything else to, like, hang my Jeff Daniels hat on. I like his energy. I like that he's, like, the one guy from the future who's sent back to stay there and, like, set up this, you know, this conglomeration of looper hitmen that the future people are going to use. Yeah. And he, he's from the future, and he goes back in the past, and he's so upset that the past is not futuristic enough yet like, he looks at, at Joe, who's just wearing, like, leather jacket, skinny tie. He's got kind of a throwback vintage look. And Jeff Daniels yeah. is so exasperated. Like, you don't want to wear anything that's, like, translucent plastic, really? You don't want to start thinking futuristically? <laughs> I think you should. He's like, what's up with your ties? Who, who wears <laughs> why ties? Do you, why do you still wear a tie? Come on. <laughs> and I like that he's got this big beard and these sort of, like, long like robes sort of he reminded me a lot of jeff bridges in tron legacy <laughs> interesting interesting it's a good okay. role to be in 
Yeah. So Jeff D- Daniels uh, plays a character named Abe, who, as you just mm. mentioned, is the one that kind of sets up this network of loopers in the past. Uh, but he is the one that has recruited Joe specifically. He he was the one that brought him in when he was younger. When he was younger, uh, I almost didn't say the J in there. I was like, yeah, 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 younger. When he was younger. younger. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I, I liked his character a lot. Um, yeah. Like I said, I, I don't see him in very many dramatic roles, but that's my own fault. Uh, mm-hmm. But I was impressed. I was like, wow, he's like, this is not the performance I expected from him, but he's knocking it out of the park. It, it was wonderful. Uh, so kudos to Jeff Daniels in that in that small role that he had there. Mm-hmm. But um, let's see. Besides besides him, where should we start? Um, what did you think about the future scape of this world as a whole? Because they have time travel, yes, but they also have like ten percent of the population is lightly telekinetic, like they can just make small objects float. And also, it seems like there are, like, hover vehicles. <laughs> like, there's some light, yeah. general, futuristic window dressing in the background that, like, isn't particularly used for anything. It's just there to sort of set an atmosphere, set a scene. Was that too much future stuff for you? Was that good? What, so, how'd you feel about this world we were in? To be honest, I, I feel like it was kind of a good balance. To be mm. honest, I, I thought uh, just the way society was, at least in that city they were in, was pretty bleak, mm. uh, which is yeah. not really fun, right? But uh, <laughs> no, it, yeah, there's a, a, a big problem with with homelessness and vagrancy. Uh, right. Like when we meet Emily Blunt on her farm, she talks about how many different vagrants have been trying to like live in her field she's had to chase them off the property it is it is a sad future but i do appreciate that they picked like one dystopian element like there weren't there wasn't also like a war and the sun is burning out they're like well there's a homeless problem it's very large it's a bad deal but that's the one you know thing we'll put in the story there's not too many things in the mix yeah, Hetty just seems uh, like crime red. Yeah, and it, it makes it seem very bleak. Uh, mm. But in terms of technology, it's not too far off. Yeah, they have some hover bikes, but they seem few and far between. Right? They mm. do have some of those big like TV screen style bill words yeah. you might see in like Blade Runner or some cyberpunk something, but it's not Blade Runner in the sense that there's neon everywhere or it's these like crowded, yeah, bizarre streets, um, right? That's not like a big market that you might see in like the seedy underbelly of some Mm. futuristic town it it was this good kind of middle point um that that i was like that seems believable like it seems like i think it was in the year like 2070 something that's like i could see by then maybe they have more like tv bill words and maybe some hovering vehicles but they're still not super Mm. widespread yet yeah um but 
yeah, I I in, enjoyed that. But, but again, I think that as well as the time travel was just kind of in the background of this movie. Mm. Um, I, I don't know about how you felt. I, when I got done with this, I actually felt this movie was more of a Western than it was yeah. a sci-fi. I mean, it, it is it's... sci-fi, but it, 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 it felt, <laughs> it, it, it had the spirit, I think, of a western yeah and like you've got you you're out in this rustic field and like you can see these tall like futuristic skyscrapers like hazy in the background like she's Mm -hmm. on the outskirts of this city like like some of the first rural properties you get to when you're leaving a city you can see it back there but yeah you you're in a historic house like once you're on emily blunt's property like there's nothing that really tells you it's the year 2070, <laughs> except for that the, right, yeah. there is a time travel threat that is coming for them. Yeah, but, yeah, and you know, yeah. she's just this woman. She's got a strong Southern accent, and she's out there with her old-fashioned shotgun, not even like a future space gun, and just protecting her property and her son. And then this. Yeah, a stranger wanders in. She has to nurse him back to health, and yeah, and then Garrett Dillahunt comes in. You know, he <laughs> he he's got like a like a hired goon, which he is. But you know, you you could pick up his character and place him in a western very easily. Yeah, and that's kind of what those those gunmen felt like, or these lopers felt like. They were hired g- 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 guns they were out laws you can see how some of them might look the part of sheriff but maybe didn't act the part of sheriff yeah um or at, at least when they were on the job on a case maybe they mm. tried to act like that like hey i'm the one in, in charge here but they weren't necessarily um but yeah i mean at the end of the day it is about these two outlaws having a gunfight basically right and hunting one another down which is very much a western story like that is something you would see in like a clint acewood john wayne movie yeah and that threat of a guy is coming like just like one man who has a gun who will shoot us is a real Western thing. And it's got a definite mm-hmm. vibe of its own as apart from like a serial killer. We're comfort- like, it's one yeah. man with a gun, nothing supernatural about him. He's not monstrous. He's not villainous. And he's there with justice. And he's going to come during the day. Setting things just in broad daylight is, helps make it feel like a Western. Yeah. Which I, 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 I think that is maybe one of my favorite parts of this movie is that it feels like that. Because yeah. I, I think it's one thing to be like, yeah, we're going to make like a, a, a crime, like a, a sci-fi crime noir. It's like, okay, that sounds fantastic. But then if you like just change that one thing of like, but in spirit, it's going to be a Western. It's like, ooh, now that's interesting. How does that yeah, work? Yeah, like it's it it's got a lot of visual noir stylings, particularly at the beginning when Joe is mm-hmm. in the city and like he's got 
yeah, like that secret stash of silver, like hidden under his floorboards. Is that that one club he goes to where, you know, he, he engages in sex with that, that one dancer yeah. there? You know, it seems like she may drugs be, and stuff uh, like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, I like the drugs in this movie, too. Like, they're all, like, from a dropper that you put in your eye, which is very distinctive. Like, and we never get a name for the drug. We don't really know, like, how addictive is it? What are the after? Why do you take it? How does it make you feel? How does it make you feel when you're off of it? We don't need it. We don't need any of it. We just need to see a drug in a way that feels futuristic. That's it. it. And we just know yeah. that, like, we just know that he parties hard and he parties hard uh, future style. That's it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So I I really enjoyed that. But I, I. I think my next favorite thing. Was the kid. This Holy is a moly. great kid. The kid. What, what is this? This kid's name. I, I, I have it pulled up here. Kind of. The, char- on... the character's name is Sid. Little Sid. Sid. Yeah. Uh, Pierce Gagnon is the actor's name. Bravo to you, Pierce. Yeah. If you ever <laughs> listen to this podcast in your lifetime. Bravo. This was an amazing performance by you i think maybe mm-hmm. one of the best like child actor performances yeah. he's so young in this like good god yeah, he's I, I, how old is he's he like in five this? yeah yeah he's, he's, he's very little phenomenal he's phenomenal yeah so uh we mentioned the plot is that old joe yeah is sent back into the past uh to he sends himself back into the past to hunt down uh, the Rainmaker when he's a child and kill mm-hmm. this child. Um, he's narrowed it down to it's one of these three children, but he's not sure which yeah. one. Because somebody so, like nobody knows anything about the Rainmaker in the future. Like nobody's even seen him. But somebody got a hold of like one piece of personal data about the guy, which is uh, this code of numbers. We find out that it is his birthday and like the co- like medical billing hospital code of the code, hospital yeah, where he was born. Something. So and I think they're like not even sure if it is a guy. Like I think they, they use he pronouns for the rainmaker, but they're like, wait, we can't be entirely sure. This person's a very vague identity. They're mostly yeah. a menace. It's like it could be any three of these children. Spider-Man. Do you born in that hospital on that day? Yeah. Uh so he goes to the first two of them trying to figure out is it these kids there uh and he narrows it down uh he doesn't take any chances and old joe ends up killing these kids Um, right because there's nothing to narrow down like there's no way to piece out which one of these like little kids is going to grow up to be the Rainmaker. Like, what clues are you looking for? So he has to just go through and kill just all of them. Take them off the chess board. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and we'll circle back around that when we talk more about Bruce Willis. Uh, mm. But yeah, they they finally get to this third kid. This is the one that uh, younger Joe goes to first because he is mm. he's like stolen part of the information yeah. so he he knows like oh i'll go to that that one first and yeah this is where we meet this kid 
and he is sharp as a tack. He is like yeah. the most educated kid. He's like working on circuits and things like that. He knows how to make communicators. He's just he's so just emotionally and mentally smart. Mm. And it's just it's like, wow, this kid, man, like I. I wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This kid is intimidatingly. Uh, frighteningly smart. Like, you know that this kid... And, and Joe gets this sense very quickly of, oh, I've found the one. This kid oh, yeah. is the rainmaker. He's a, a genius beyond his years, and he's got this intensity to him. Like, um, like, Joe finds out that he's there with Emily Blunt, who is his biological mother, but she was sort of Oh, like she she loved to party. She loved her life in the city and she had the sister absent, who lived yeah. out here on the farm. Left the kid, you know, for her sister to raise. And then the sister died when the kid, you know, when Sid was like two years old. And then she came back and she's like, I abandoned him. How could I have done that? I'm going to stick with him for the rest of his life now. I'm going to completely devote myself to raising this kid. I am putting the past behind me. It's like Joe finds out that, you know, the mom died and he's sort of asking Sid about it. And we don't find out at that point how she died. And Sid's talking about how, like, she died because he wasn't strong enough. And you've got a five-year-old staring at you very intensely saying, I wasn't strong enough when I was two. And I'm going to be stronger in the future. I'm not going to let anybody get hurt wild yeah yeah uh it just phenomenal performance i was blown away so intense cut and like the sh- shot at the end of the movie where joe is seeing like the future that sid would have had the future that led to old, the world where old joe is from where sid grows up to become the rainmaker there's a shot of sid like riding away from the farmhouse on a train and he's like a train, bullet has yeah. like grazed his face and he's like so it's this little kid sitting there holding his like bloody jaw on his face, like huddled against a train car. And he looks like you like you've seen a normal little kid pout about something. But it's also filled with this like fury. Like this kid's a Napoleon. He's a force to be reckoned with. He's angry. He is going to literally destroy the world, not just through a temper tantrum. What a look. What a haunting shot that is. There are adult actors who have been actors their entire lives who don't have a scene mm-hmm. as good as that one shot. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's wild how good his performance Masterful. is. Masterful. Masterful. And he's got a lot of great scenes with Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who, who also was a child actor. And I imagine that that background helped the chemistry between those two. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so I, I, I'm starting to sound like a broken records hang how much I liked the kid uh, in in that. But one of the things that we learn about him is that he is also telekinetic. Yeah, he's like a hundred times more powerful than everyone else. Uh, They can only like levitate a quarter and like spin it in circles and that's it yeah he he can like lift up the entire house he can like blow things up he can like you know he's 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 so strong but he can't really control it 
when he no. gets mad, when he gets upset, uh, he just loses control and bad things happen. Um, yeah, and this is part of the movie that I'd completely forgotten about. I remembered the time travel and no other like futuristic sci-fi elements about this movie. Yeah. I forgot about the telekinesis. I forgot how his mom died. Because I, in my head, I thought, because he's with this mom, you know, his aunt who he, who he grew up believing was his mom, right? And then he thinks Emily Blunt, his actual mom, is his aunt. And he, I, in my head, I thought that, like, the mom died by, like, um, you know, the, like, a, like a husband or a boyfriend who was abusing her or, like, there was, or, like, there was a robbery at the house. Like, you know, mm-hmm. there was like a, an intruder on the farm. I thought it was something like that. That's what I was remembering, which isn't true. It's like when he's saying mom died because I wasn't strong enough. I was like extra, <laughs> extra frightened. Like this boy was like, even at two years old, I should have been able to stop the, that large intruder from killing my mother. <laughs> so I was living under like a very different sort of story for a while until Emily Blunt reveals that, like, this is... I forget her character's name. We just keep calling her Emily. Look her up. You can keep talking. Yeah. But, like, she reveals that, like, these psychic outbursts that he has, that's what killed the mom. Like, she said, he didn't Mm -hmm. know what he was doing. He was, like, just climbing a bookshelf and it fell over on top of him. And he was so, like, hurt and shocked that he just lashed out and just the psychic force killed her. Yeah, uh, her character's name is Sarah. The okay, mom's yes. Name. Yeah, right. Because the kid doesn't call her mom and, until like the very end. He always yeah. calls her Sarah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's how his aunt died. That's how other people die in this movie. The kid loses control. Um. Yeah, it just it's it's while to see him go through all of that to see him talk about it to react to it and stuff like that. He's just he's so smart, but he's also he's still naive because he's a child, yeah. right? Yeah, and like he we mentioned that he believes that his aunt was his mom, and you know, and Emily Blunt comes back to talk. You know, Sarah comes back to care for him to raise him. He thinks. Uh, she's acting like my mom. She's not really my mom because he doesn't remember back to her. He only remembers back to the sister who owned the farmhouse to begin with. And so he keeps calling her a liar. And like he lashes, there's a scene where he lashes out at her and keeps screaming at her. You're a liar. You're a liar. You're not supposed to lie. And she gets so scared that she goes and hides in like a a, a gun safe in her closet. Yeah. <laughs> it's scary. But yeah, the fact and like you know, accusing somebody is, of lying is both like such a strongly principled thing for a young person to have, but also echoes things that that uh, perturb young children. You know, like they don't right. like fibs. They don't like tattletales. They want everybody to be like you know, telling the, the truth and behaving yeah. themselves and being good. Yeah. So to take. Uh, Something that like a little kid would be upset over that uh, an authority figure isn't being honest with them, but like blowing it up into this like principled <laughs> like rage, this rant, this tirade against her. 
Yeah, I think this movie does a great job of illustrating how this is one little kid who has this naivete, who has this in- innocence, who has some sincere like care in his heart. He can be mm-hmm. very sweet, but also has this rig- rigidity to him, right? This like unbreakable core that wants to just demolish things that he doesn't the world has to be the way that he's yes yeah yeah which is why knowing what he will and eventually become as the rainmaker you can see oh yes he had a very specific goal a very specific vision and he's acting that out he because they they said he like he they he was doing mass killings not like one not not one by one but just like in mass like here you go mm. we're wiping them all out right now yeah uh and stuff like that it, it, they I, I, th- I think someone described it as like a holy war is like so what it, it felt yeah. like um but yeah so scary stuff with that mm-hmm. uh but i wanted to talk a little bit more about young joe right now um because he i i he's the i mean he's joseph gordon especially when he's still really young in this helm uh and like he's just he's he's good looking he's charming but he has this like i i don't picture joseph gordon levitt like as a bad boy or anything like that <laughs> right like i no, but that's he has true. this like yeah he has this hardness to this character that i find believable um like he he's not yeah. he's not uh like a gangster or something like that but he has this this like sharpness to to him that makes yeah. him dangerous yeah he can, he's a man who can play weathered very easily he's a man who can play like experienced in something i think about him in inception where you can tell like oh this guy's done this thing over and over again he's an expert at what he does and he's going to do whatever it takes to like get in do the job as cleanly as possible and get back out yeah he's very perceptive too that was one of the things that i noticed at the start because before you really know what's going on or what's happening and they're explaining how uh like people will get their loops closed and stuff like that it keeps showing him in this club looking at the like higher ups like we closed another loop and they're you know they're taking shots and stuff and he's just kind of side-eyeing them being like huh what are these guys up to? It seems like there there's more of these than usual. They're closing a lot of loops. Interesting. Yeah. Um. And so he, it just seems like he's taking mental notes and he's trying mm. to figure out: is there some kind of consp- well, what's g- g- going on? What's happening here? And he doesn't really know, so he's still kind of going along with it, but he's cautious. Uh, yeah, and a lot of his cohorts celebrate when their loop is closed because that is a retirement point for them you know they kill their future self they get all those bars of gold bars of gold and then nothing is asked of them again they just know when their death is coming right and yeah they they party you know they live it up on all the silver and gold they've earned you can tell that he takes that more seriously 
Like, you know, his, his loop is closed under troubling circumstances. Well, we see this, like, we see that his, his story going forward from the time when Bruce Willis arrives and he doesn't, he's not able to kill him. You know, the old Joe mm-hmm. escapes. But then we also see the timeline that Bruce Willis came from where young Joe successfully executed old Joe, no problem, took his bars of gold and they went forward and like lived this future. That was also like less partying than anybody else. Like uh, he still parties. He lives it up for a long time until he finds, you know, the woman who becomes his wife and he does settle down with her. But he, you know, he's doing it with a bit more gravity, with a bit more consideration to it. He's a lot more purposeful than than his friends are. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I think, to be honest, I feel like his plan all along was to like, hey, once I have enough m- m- money and I have the right reason to go, I'm gone because he, he, I mean, he's yeah. been stockpiling this stuff. So I felt like he he was always tr- trying to find an escape somehow to yeah. get out of like, I don't want them to close my loop. So I'm just going to keep mm. doing this as long as I can. Uh, you know, however long they need me until I find that right reason. And then he meets this woman and they have this brief interaction where she rejects him. But he like, you you can see it on on his face immediately. He's he's just like, that's the one. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Let let me try this again. Yeah. Um, And. Yeah, so I, I that's when we kind of get this plan of of like, OK, I'm going to marry her. I'm going to settle down with her. We're going to get out of here. We're going to escape. We're going to go to the to Paris or wherever they were planning on going. Um, I was reading uh, some IMDb trivia about this movie because I was curious about the the background of it and how it, you know, how the whole thing was technically put together. <laughs> and. Throughout the movie, he's learning French and he says that it's his goal to go to France. You know, he wants to go to Paris after his loop is closed and he retires. And then Jeff Daniels is like, you should go to China. Trust me, I'm from the future and I'm not going to tell you what's going to happen, but don't go to France, go to China. (laughs) And I was reading that that was because they'd always planned it to be France, but they found that filming in France was too expensive. But the Chinese distributor of the film said, Hey, if you switch the setting, I'll pay for that filming. Interesting. I'll pay for you to go film in uh, Shanghai or Hong Kong. I forget where he ends up. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But so he, yeah, it, it just seems like he's he's looking for an escape, which I, mm. I think you can also see paralleled in the way that he. Uh, consistently takes these drugs and hooks up with this one dancer uh, mm. and just doesn't really have a purpose beyond that. He, he just looks like he's trying to escape. Mm. Um, but I, yeah, I, there, there, there's, there's still, despite all that, there's still something that I think is heroic inside him. Like he, mm. he is very much the protagonist as well as the antagonist of this film, thanks yeah. to time travel. Um, yeah. But he, like, it It ends up kind of being two different versions of himself. And the younger one 
does end up kind of taking this path that is maybe more heroic, more like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm, I'm, I mean, we see him defend Sarah, right? And like step in fr- <laughs> front of her as this uh, mystery pr- pr- person is like stepping out of the corn f- <laughs> field yeah. and stuff. They find out it's not a f- a threat, but s- still like he, he wants to defend her. He wants to take care yeah. of her, which is the the honorable thing to do right and then at the end we see him kind of solve this whole thing by sacrificing himself uh he Mm. basically commits suicide so that yeah there is no older self that he that that has to come back and do all of the stuff so um he ends up taking a very very different path than old Mm. Joe. Yeah, yeah. The ending of this movie is very powerful where he says that old Joe and trying to prevent the Rainmaker from growing up to be the Rainmaker creates his own enemy, right? <laughs> right. Like yeah. they, they said that in the future, some of the few rumors that are passed around around the Rainmaker are they say he had to watch his own mother die when he was a kid. And uh, they say he has like a, a ceramic jaw implant or something. Yeah, he got and we see raised with a bullet. Yeah, yeah. And we see old Joe like attempt to shoot Sarah, and instead he grazes the kid's face. Yeah. So young Joe realizes this is a loop that will continue over and over and over again until I something stops it. See, so yeah, he just turns his blunderbuss around on himself. <laughs> always full of guns but i don't think they're ever once called gun like yeah. we'll use every other slang term for gun blunder bust gat yeah yeah that's a good one which the both feel man. like they're from like such different times they really do yeah um yeah it's i like i like you said the end of this is very powerful I, for a number of things, right? We mentioned the, yeah. the one scene with the kid when we get to see like, hey, yeah, this is a loop that will continue. Here's how it starts. Um, as well as the sacrifice that young Joe makes, which on yeah. one hand is kind of heroic, but on the other hand is also very tragic, right? Because he's yeah. taking his own life. He won't get to be with sarah or this wife that he might potentially meet in china or uh, yeah stuff like that he won't get to escape um i i guess this is some sort of escape Mm -hmm. from the 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 whole thing but not the one he intended yeah Um, so it is tragic in that sense um but yeah he's 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 a good character i like him a lot uh just his, Did you... his sheer force of determination is yes, just like, yeah. I like this guy. I like this. Guy. Did you buy Joseph Gordon-Levitt growing up and turning into Bruce Willis? Uh, n- no, yes and no. <laughs> they don't. They're not two actors who look the most alike. Like, that's not the most obvious pair of people you could find. There's worse ones. I think a lot about... uh. That movie yeah. 17 again, where Matthew Perry like uh, travels back in time to his young body, which was Zac Efron. I don't buy that <laughs> one at all. But I like that this movie's 
trying to close that gap. Bruce Willis doesn't have to do anything. But like Joseph Gordon-Levitt is very intently trying to play somebody who could grow up and turn into Bruce Willis. And I think I'm not exactly sure what all of it is. Yeah, it's some makeup. It's and I know he's an actor who studies and trains very seriously when he needs to emulate somebody for uh, like he's been in biopics before, you know, in this movie where he's asked to be the younger version of an older actor. I think he he studies them, really tries to play that closely. So his performance lives up to it. I think he just looks funny in sunlight. And like when you see him in like the darkness of one of his clubs, it's like, yeah, he kind of looks like a young Bruce Willis. But just when you see him out in the field, it's like, why are your eyebrows so dark? Bruce Willis doesn't have (laughs) eyebrows like that. Why is that part of it? See, it's youth. Melissa, youth. <laughs> yeah, it's, no, um, your your eyebrows just slowly fade away like ghosts as you age. Yeah, I I did. I tried to watch a YouTube video or two on this. I'm just like, what? Like, what is the theories on this movie? Is there stuff that I missed and stuff? And there yeah. there wasn't too much there and stuff like that. But they did mention that Joseph Gordon Levitt did have a bunch of like makeup and prosthetics on his mm-hmm. face that he had to uh, put on each time. Um, but yeah, that he he also to like help him to get Bruce Willis's mannerisms and stuff. He mm-hmm. would listen to his movies like in his headphones and, and stuff like that to like get his talking points mm-hmm. yeah, or like the, the, the way he spoke um, and stuff like that. So. He he did in fact do that. Or at I have least one more question ac- ac- for you. According to that YouTube video, I don't know. They could they could have been like, <laughs> yeah, and Joseph Gordon Levitt like slept in the same bed as him for a whole month to figure out how he acted, I, and I would have been like, Melissa, did you know that Joseph Gordon Levitt absorbing <laughs> <laughs> it through dead skin cells? No, I buy that he just listened to a tape of Hudson Hawk over and over. Again. <laughs> Another question. This isn't related yes. to anything, but I think it's funny that in his role in The Dark Knight Rises, somebody tells Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character, you should go by your middle name, Robin, the name of a famous Batman ally. When that, his middle name is that in real life. His middle name's Gordon. Yeah. Think about it. I don't know. <laughs> coincidence or conspiracy I, I, it freaked me out for a couple minutes <laughs> that is funny uh but let's move on to old joe old joe good old bruce willis here um i i i'm often very indifferent on bruce willis i don't necessarily think he's a phenomenal actor but he's also not bad yeah, and I know. What did it die? Did it go to sleep? What's it doing? No, you're you're still Help. here. You're okay, still good. Here. You're okay. Ah, uh, beans. Okay, come on. Come on. You're back up. And okay, there. Running. I think I'm here. When I had to like plug in the power cord, I think I just bumped the HDMI and it disappeared uh, off okay. my monitor. Uh, and I thought we all died. Anyway, I think Bruce Willis is also known to be an actor who has uh, put in less effort in in his older and more recent years. He's not always like 
completely into the role, but I, I felt like he was into this one. Yeah, I, I, I thought he did pretty good in this one. Um, and I, I think the, the, the one scene that really got me is I, I don't remember if, if it was after the first kid he killed or the second one, but it's after he kills one of the kids and he like stumbles out of the house, walks across the street a little ways, and then just breaks down. After the first kid. Yeah, like he really yeah. did not want to have to do that. He takes no pleasure in what he does. He's like, he, I he just have to, it. Yeah. if I, yeah, I, he just thinks about the future where hundreds of people will die, including his own wife, who is killed by the Rainmaker henchmen. And he's like, I have to do anything I can to stop that. Like, this is yeah. the worst thing I'm ever going to do now, but I'm going to make a better future for countless people. Yeah, he's so hurt by the death of his life that it drives him to do things he normally wouldn't. And those things are, like you said, going to be for a arguably good reason, but yeah. it still just brings him more pain to have to do this. Um, and and so, yeah, like you, you can see like when he breaks down he's so conflicted like he's he's just like i i i don't want to do this this sucks um but yeah he he's just like that that one scene in particular i think is maybe one of the better acted bruce willis scenes that I've, yeah. I've i've seen of just like man he nailed that like that that one scene is like all i i need to to understand his character mm-hmm. so yeah good stuff from bruce willis there and he goes to see the second kid who is the child of uh the sex worker he has a relationship with and i really like the dynamic between those two between her and, and young joe who we see you know her with where that's they are not lo lovers in like an emotional sense like there's no romance there but it's also not just transactional like they are friends with each other mm -hmm. there's a level of care there that's never going to grow in anything else but they do care about each other so when old joe goes to see the second kid and realizes that's who the kid's mom is he is really shaken up about it he feels very bad now now he's killing the child of somebody who he has cared for personally yeah yeah uh because if, if i'm not mistaken we don't really hear much about sid's father do we no yeah we never find out who it is and like i said i've been remembering uh, an incorrect version of this movie where like the the dad killed the mom and sid just believed he was unable to stop the dad oh yeah gotcha, the dad okay. is a non-player I, I we've said that this movie is pretty straightforward when you really think about it but it they it leaves every now and then something that is open-ended or judging like enough yeah. to get you to be like huh there's some wiggle room here if you really want mm -hmm. to theorize and stuff it's not important per se but it's just like yeah if you want you can probably come up with something cool i at one point was thinking um like what if uh joe is the father of the rain maker and 
Yeah. Me, me, maybe that is how the the dancer got pregnant. Or maybe since we didn't know about Sid's father, maybe somehow, some way, like young Joe was it? I don't know. Or just somehow. Yeah, you can imagine Joe and and Sarah running in similar party circles, you know, back when she was living in the city. I suppose there's nothing that outright declines this path of thinking. Yeah, or like some future version of Joe having known and seen her or saved her in his past, then somehow like goes back to like reconnect with her or something I don't know. I just, it just, it was one of those things that was like, okay, they leave this open ended enough that if you want to theorize, you can. Everything you're going to theorize is probably wrong, but it's like, it's yeah. still just like, it's open ended, you know? So. Yeah. I want to talk about uh, one of the most powerful scenes in the movie, which is where uh, one of Joe's buddies is Paul Dano. He's another one mm-hmm. of these loopers. And he is sent his own future self. He's there to close his loop. But he, he hesitates. Because, like, when the body just pops into his timeline, the, like, guy under the, the burlap sack is, like, mumbling a song. And Paul Dano's like, I know what that song is. And he's like, I couldn't resist it. I had to take off the hood. I didn't know if that was me or not. And when he does that, old him gets away. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene where, like, um, Abe and his guys capture uh paul paul dano paul dano not future paul i forget the guy's name he's he's just old paul and they destroy old paul by destroying young paul like we see this older actor who's like running through the city doesn't yeah, you know, trying to a escape scene. and he like he like sees scars on his hands. He like looks in a mirror and like his nose is gone and as he's running his like fingers start fingers disappearing, disappearing. His whole limbs until he's just like a torso that like flops down on a doorstep. And then you see like one of Abe's guys like open the door and inside in the background, you see like Paul Dano hooked up to like a bunch of medical equipment. Like they have been slicing up Paul Dano so that future him will not be able to continue after the number of injuries he has sustained. Yeah, it it was wild. It was it's, horrifying it was it's disgusting yeah. it, and it to see like effective. all the and <laughs> and like there's no gore in it all of that's happening to paul dano who we don't really see we just see him in the background at the end of the sequence there but wouldn't be exactly yeah like it's it's all it's just old injuries old scarred up injuries just suddenly appearing out of nowhere yeah yeah, or never seen anything quite like it. <laughs> yeah, and then I like that Joe remembers this trick, and when he needs to, he knows old Joe is out there, and he's like, "I gotta get in touch with this guy. I gotta figure out like what's his deal, what's he doing? Can I rein him in and be like, hey, okay, I bet that's fun that you had your joyride around town. I do need to kill you. You understand this, right?" And so he writes, he like carves a message in his arm. And what yeah. we saw in old Paul Dano is that he pulled up his, like, he saw, like, an arrow carved on his palm pointing towards his arm. And so he pulls up his wrist and it says, be at, like, this address. So he goes there thinking, like, oh, I'm going to meet my younger self. Maybe he'll help me get out of this. And no, it's 
it's Abe and his guys using young Paul yeah. Dano as like a lure. And um, so we see old Joe do the same thing where he pulls up his sleeve and it says be at. And then you can presume that the rest of it is a, an address. And instead he meets young Joe at this diner where we've seen Joe talk to a waitress named Beatrix. I thought that was a, a very sharp little turn in the writing. And I also love that old yeah. Joe is like, you know, there's other waitresses here. You didn't want to write Jen. I would have remembered who Jen was. Didn't have to write the whole name Beatrix. Right. Just done Jen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I liked that scene a lot. I liked having those two characters meet and interact and that's when they start because the 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 this movie kind of hand waves away time travel of like hey once once you mm -hmm. start talking about the rules and all that stuff it's just all mumbo jumbo. Yeah, uh, and I think that's helped by the fact that time travel is used by one specific community for one specific one purpose. Purpose like right. only the criminal underground has it, and they only use it to send bodies back to a time when nobody would be looking for them. Like, nobody's pulling a time heist. They use time travel for this exclusively. Yeah. Um, but then, then what they get into is really interesting. It's on the, like, mm -hmm. nature of memory in time yes! travel. Like, that there, there's... Yes. I, I think there's a lot of this that is just kind of, like, unspoken in time travel movies where... It it makes sense that this is how it would work, but no one talks about it. Like, there's mm. no movies where this is the focus, how your memory would work here. And so I, I really, really enjoyed the scenes where, like, they, they're they describing how it works. And, like, as, the, like, when things are happening and I'm near you... I can remember them crystal clear and I can remember mm -hmm. what you do after. But once you start to deviate from that, the stuff that I then remember gets foggier as you start to get away from that and new memories form and all the like it's still it's 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 wild to think about. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that. That's one of Bruce, uh, one of old Joe's struggles. Not only is he trying to save his wife in the future, and I don't even know if he plans on a way to get back to the future. Like, nobody in this time period has time travel. They sent Abe back on a one-way ticket. He doesn't have any equipment to get back. I don't think anybody does. So the old Joe is, I suppose he does know he can't go back to his wife, but he just wants to make sure that she would still be alive. And mm -hmm. he struggles with, as young Joe's, path changes and he uh, as he's on a path that may not lead to him anymore going to china meeting his wife that old joe has trouble remembering her face right, <laughs> and he's yeah. like to try and like calm himself down he struggles he's like remember the day you met her remember that like, he's yeah. trying so hard to hold on to that yeah because he, he's like he's really out for revenge right because he you, you mm -hmm. said he's not gonna go back to the future so he's trying to set his younger self up to have a life where he doesn't have to do yeah. all of that so he's basically just out for revenge to kill these partially revenge and also people. partially saving saving people yeah like he well he, sure yeah, revenge yeah, yeah. is like trying to make 
the scales equal you know, in your own heart and mind after what's done is done. He's in a place where he can stop what was done from being done. You're right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's, it's a prevenge it's, mission. <laughs> prevenge. Uh, but yeah, like we we see him struggling to just try and remember the life he had mm-hmm. and try to yeah. remember the, the the purpose and the reason he's there. Um, because young Joe is j- 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 just like, what if I marry someone else? Like, what if I just choose yeah. not to go there and like, hey, yeah, Sarah, right over here. Yeah, like, like show me know. my show me your wife's picture and let's make sure I remember her and don't flirt with her. Right. Yeah. Like, ah, that's the one. Don't go near her. Um, mm. Yeah. And I, I, I like those struggles between th- that same character between young and old Joe. Right. Mm. Um, just yeah, it's 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 a neat thing that I don't think a lot of time travel movies really talk about except for maybe like overriding them completely and that's all they say yeah just like we're gonna override the memories somehow i don't think the wife has a name and i don't think she speaks which isn't specific to her character when we go see uh old joe's life in the future like i don't think there's any dialogue like it's just a, a montage with the score played over it right and I think there might be a couple she, words, but it's it's yeah. nothing of importance. Or like he narrates yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. It's largely wordless and largely without detail. And uh, she dies very early on in the movie. But I think it's a it's not your conventional dead wife story because then he goes back in time and uh, like we just said, like it's not a revenge mission. Even if he changed this, there's no way he could get back to her. Like, he's just stopping her from dying, even though he knows I'm never going to see her again. Like, we will never be together. He's not trying to save a relationship. Like, he's not trying to save his wife anymore. He's trying to save, like, that individual woman who she is going to be. Like, he's trying to save her life in complete absence of himself. Yeah. At one point, I will tell you this i suspected that maybe his wife was the rainmaker uh and that's <laughs> somehow uh i mean like she was not supposed to die at that one bit but whoever the like gunman was just saw, saw something and shot her but i i was like how how cr- like what 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 a cruel turn of fate it would be if mm-hmm. he found out uh the rainmaker the one who kind of set all of this up was his wife because she seemed mm-hmm. very capable too like w- again we don't know much about her but she seemed oddly capable of just like hmm there's there's more to her than <laughs> than we we are told here. like he meets her in like a bar where like a brawl has just broken out and he sees her across the room and she's like rolls her eyes like i'm out of here like it seems like she violence is yeah, something she's just, a, she's accustomed you. to yeah yeah like she just she just is very comfortable around that world yeah she does seem like a character who could be pulling a string exactly exactly but that's not what happened mm. um but 
yeah, still, I still, I, I, I liked, I liked the characters that we got. I still, I, I think they initially conceived this as a short story. To be honest, I mm. would love to see this story expanded further. I, I think this would make for a yeah. great TV show. Um, mm-hmm. to, to develop it into into that, like in in a similar vein, in the same way that Twelve Monkeys. Uh, was oh, yeah. developed into a TV show f- from a movie, which was also based off of a short story and stuff like that. But I like I like this world. I want I want to know more. I want to see more. Who's Abe? Yeah. I want to know more about Abe. Who is Joe's wife? I I want to know more about her. Right. Like yeah, there's there are there's interesting, interesting side characters corners. in this. Yeah, and as we get towards the end of our conversation, I just also want to make sure we mention Kid Blue. I think he's pretty entertaining. He's another one of the the loopers that that, that Joe knows and works with. And he's like, you you know, these are all solo jobs. I think you got they like they all just know each other from like having to report in at the same office and they go party together. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the social structure around loopers is interesting, but I like Kid Blue and that he's just very desperate uh, to look cool and to have Abe's approval. Yeah, like one thing that I think was entirely missing from this movie, not that we needed it, but it, again, just like I, I wish this world was expanded so I could learn more about what was happening. Mm hmm. How do the police react to all of this? Like, are they investigating this? How, what, how much do they know? Well, how much I, do they I not know? Don't... Do they have their? Do they have like a time cop that they've sent back to set up a I... network of of Seems... cops that know about time tra- travel and are looking <laughs> for certain things? Like, what's what are they doing? I think they're. It's the film makes it seem like law enforcement is unaware this at least in the time where young joe lives like they are sent these bodies and they like dispose of them like like they're burned in an incinerator and even if any pieces were found those would be pieces correlating to a person who is either still alive still walking around alive or is not born yet yeah and so they'll just be like huh this is weird whatever okay yeah unsolved Mm. um but yeah, there's there's just so much more about this that I would like to learn. But I'm I'm also very satisfied. I like I I don't need anything else. The 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 story that they told me and what they gave me, I think was the best story it could have been. Right? Like this mm. is I I, I don't want to say there's no moments that could have been cut out, but I I it's. It's tightly knit. It's paced very, very well. There's not really a moment that I was like, no, why was that even in there? Right. Like I, I felt mm-hmm. like each moment at least had a purpose um, for for this this film here. And it, it was very good. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I was very happy to rewatch this. And I did uh, retain a lot more of it this time i don't feel like i'll forget most of the movie again yeah good stuff good stuff well i think that's about all i have to say on looper Mm. so i think Melissa, you and i should do a check-in on a review show that's right bingo show bingo i'm pulling up my bingo card right now yeah 
Um, let's see here. Let's see here. There is no ghost in this. Mm. Uh, no one died by electrocution. Beans. Everyone had time for breakfast. Um, <laughs> yeah, have, mm, nobody played themselves. Yeah, I think everything I could have crossed off, I already have. Like, I do have meeting yourself from another time, but Dark gave us that very easily. Yeah, and I don't, I, I don't have that one on my card, I don't think. No, I don't. Um, the 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 one that's close, but I I don't think I would give it to myself is didn't realize my own strength, but I think the kid very much realizes yeah, his own he is aware, his own yes. strength and is like I'm not I'm I'm not strong enough to control it so that is yeah, very much I, aware of your own strength <laughs> yeah like he he and he does purposefully I think um. Just squeeze all the blood out of Garrett Dillahunt's body into a blood cloud that floats over his head. That's a wild death scene. Yeah, that was pretty on purpose. Uh, <laughs> that's that's kind of about it, though. Oh, well, no. This would be a funny one, which is not how we intended. <laughs> Yeah. This one, but vehicle in peril. I I, I feel like that hover bike with the, the guy. No, go around. Go walk around <laughs> the hover bike. <laughs> don't, don't scratch my bike. So close. But you not had a hard time with vehicle in peril this year, which is tricky. Because like I think that on, one was man. my yeah. idea, but I didn't put it, it on it, my it, what, card, and, and, but you put on yours. It's it's a good one it's it's one that it's one that i yeah. feel like you see often enough but we just haven't mm -hmm. picked the right things we we haven't done the right things here on the review show so we'll get I, think I am out of luck this week yeah nothing for me man if we just we gotta get another superhero story in before the end of the year and that will help us cross some stuff out we'll 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 get one in we'll get one eh. in. i'm sure we will uh, but that's it for review show bingo. Not much of an update on that one. Um, Melissa, next week yes. is our end of the month special. Uh, and we are watching the... Oh, raise, raise your hand. Where are, where are our recommendations, Kyle? Uh, okay, okay, we'll get... Yeah. Mel Melissa, I, what do you recommend? <laughs> We have a structure, Kyle. Like if we wrap up our discussion, we do bingo, we do recommendations, we plug, you know, we talk about the next week, we drink. do our pitches. Uh, you've been awake for twenty four hours. I'll take the I'll take the steering wheel. Uh, if you like Blooper, you may also enjoy. Um, there's a one of Ryan, if not his first movie, then one of his first movies. Ryan Johnson did a movie called Brick, also mm -hmm. starring Joseph Gordon Levitt which I saw once in college. I haven't watched since then. I really want to. I don't know how easy that movie is to find. But you covered this in the original The Whatnots podcast years ago. We did. It's available on our website, thewhatnots.com. You can't really get that on podcast services, uh, but it is available on our website. The movie Brick, it's very, very good. If you like crime noir detective stuff, it's much yeah. faster paced. Uh, than this 
movie was yes. uh and oh oh yeah but it's it, it's not the, stop that that i i saw this movie. when i was uh when i was like 18 or 19 it feels a lifetime ago now i don't remember much about it but it is a teen noir story joseph gordon levitt is playing Set a high, high school. schooler yep I believe he played so believably. I don't know how old he would have been at that time, but I bought that he was a high schooler, having just been one myself. I, w- I think he was I had like a... early twenties, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I watched this in a um, you know, when you're a freshman in college and you take like a whole course your first semester about like just college, just like being in college, adjusting to it. I was in the honors version of that class, which is a weird class to have an honors level up. <laughs> and it was taught by this philosophy professor we'll who just sort of did really what she wanted. Adapt to college in this one. Right. All those other kids, and, <laughs> they're out of luck. <laughs> in one week, she's like, I just like this movie and I want to make you watch it. So we just watched Brick. There you go. But yeah, it is a, 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 teen, a teen noir movie where he, um, I think his girlfriend goes missing or, or like dies from a drug overdose or something but he's trying to track down who in his high school is passing drugs around he's trying Mm -hmm. to track down high school crimes but in very noir style yeah and not not in a funny way this isn't like a a genre parody it is a a serious stark movie absolutely um yeah yeah that one is very good that's a good recommendation yeah watch brick this looper reminds me a lot of Blade Runner 2049. I think just because it's like Interesting. hapless, handsome man wanders around the future doing some sort of inscrutable future job. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, the uh, lives in city, very tall city. Uh, I would recommend like the first 20 minutes of the JJ from Star Trek movie. I like the whole movie. I know I like it more than you and more than most other people. But there is a part at the beginning where we see young James Kirk growing up as he does in Iowa, a fellow Midwesterner Mm. after my own heart. And he's like stolen his stepdad's uh, car. I forget if it's a real car or if it's a hover car, but he's driving it through a cornfield. And you can see one of those like big futuristic skyscraper cities in the background so if you want like just one more opportunity to see see like fields and like future cyber city juxtaposed against each other you can begin to watch star trek and hopefully you'd finish watching it i recommend the experience absolutely um I would recommend if you want another good time travel movie go check out primer uh, which we yeah. have covered here on the review show. I don't remember what number it was off the t- top of my head. Oh, this uh, but was it like was... November 2019. So I don't remember the number, but like that's it was a the while time back, frame yeah. where you could find it in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is a great time travel movie. Very fast paced, very hard hitting in the same like breakneck speed that that movie goes that's how brick feels but it's a crime no noir in in instead um so yeah go check out primer that is also essential time travel yeah. movie fan yeah. viewing um if you want uh, more don't ryan expect, johnson uh, yeah no i just want to say like primer is a very stark technical movie 
it is entirely about the time travel and the complexities and the paradoxes of it. And the characters are barely characters. So get ready for an entirely cerebral, uh, charmless experience. But it's charmless (laughs) on purpose. It's, It's charming in the way that it's charmless. It's like, wow, you really went for it, didn't you? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but if you would like to see more stuff that Ryan Johnson has made, I would also recommend Knives Out, another yeah. crime movie by Ryan J- Johnson that was also very, covered very that good. last year. That we, yeah, we covered here on the review show as well. Um, I, I, I really like Ryan Johnson for the most part. I think a lot of the movies he makes are very, very good. It, it has a, a very clear vision. And whoever he gets to, like, chop his films down into, like, the, the, the tight, just that, like, they all seem like there's no scene wasted. Uh, who, mm. Whoever they, they've gotten to do all of that has, for the most part, been thumbs up. Except Star Wars. Yeah. Don't don't go watch the the Star Wars one he did of that. That was not good. Watch the uh, Star Wars. <laughs> the Star The Last Jedi is not so bad that you should just not see it. I like the Last Jedi <laughs> quite a bit, but also I have no emotional connection to Star Wars. I just think yeah. it's, it's shiny. It's. Um, I mean, yeah. Speaking it's, of it's knives. A, it's a film I think you should watch if you if you like Star Wars and stuff like that. But compared to Brian Johnson's other films, it's not in the same league. So I think when the Last Jedi is good, it's very good. But That's but I, but I you spoke That's about fair. how a lot of his films don't have a lot of fat on them. I think the Last Jedi is also a movie that it is the fattest of them. Maybe. Um, oh, you get your highs, you got your lows with The Last Jedi. I want to mention, just, just briefly off of Knives Out, uh, we talked about the character Kid Blue. He's played by Noah Sagan. And I'm watching the movie, and I'm like, what do I know Noah Sagan from? That name is familiar. I think I might have heard him on a podcast once or twice, uh, but okay. it's not easy for me to find everybody's podcast appearances. So that's still a mystery. But I looked at his IMDb, and of course he has been in most of Ryan Johnson's other movies. And he's like the other law enforcement agent in Knives Out who's not Lakeith Stanfield. Okay. And I think he's stuck in my head so much just because Knives Out has those like illustrated end credits with like a little portrait of everybody. Interesting. Yeah, like I think that that made his name and face feel very significant out, to right? me in my yeah. memory. Yeah, cool, cool. I like that a lot. Um, also, also, did you it. know that Noah Sagan was the voice of Henry in Kablam? I did not know that. Well, I learned it going down that guy's IMDb, trying to figure out why I know him. <laughs> Co-hosted Good Kablam. Good stuff. Um. I think that's about it for recommendations that I got. Yeah. Um, now, so now we can now talk we may about proceed. what we're doing in the future here. Uh, so next week is our end of the month special. Um, I see. I see. Melissa, I, could, I could have said next week is our end of the month special. But before we tell you what that is, let's do our what? recommendations. Anyways, why structure <laughs> um, it like that? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, so next week, we are going to be covering season one of the HBO show, The Leftovers. Melissa, do you want to let people know a little bit about what this one is? 
Yeah, this is our new monthly series for the next three months. We'll be watching seasons one through three until we complete the show. This came out um, in the last handful of years, sometime in the mid-20-teens, forget exactly when. It's co-created by Damon Lindelof, who worked on our beloved Lost, which is one mm-hmm. of the things that brought us to this. And it is a show about um, a day when 2% of the human population just vanishes without a trace. And the show is set three years after that, where all of society still has no answers. And it's not really about the mystery of how everybody disappeared and why some people went and some people didn't. The show is mostly about just how a society tries to continue after something like that. It's about these crumbling interpersonal relationships, and it's about a lot of the odd um, beliefs how people struggle to cope with it. There's a the series features yeah. a cult, features various like odd spiritual practices as people trying to figure out how to add meaning to their lives after this Hope terrible move tragedy. On. Yeah. 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 So that's what we're going to be up to next week. We're going to watch season one of The Leftovers. Uh, so yeah, get excited about that. I'm excited to start watching that show. Uh, but after that, we will officially be into October, which is gonna start our horror month. So Melissa, I believe you have, yeah, some spooky spooky pitches, uh, for, for what we will do that first week in October. Yeah. So I have three international horror movies. Cool. Uh, and they're all from places where we haven't seen anything before. Cool. Uh, there were plenty of, so I, even though there were tempting options, I didn't pick anything from uh, it's France or Japan or South Korea. These are three new places. I've got a movie from Spain, one from Iran, and one from Australia. So even if they're all international, one of them is in English. So pitch number one is a Spanish horror movie. I think this is on Netflix, or at least it was at the time the article I was reading was written. This is called Veronica, or Mm. however you pronounce the name Veronica with a Spanish accent. Veronica. Yeah. Uh, The description I read in an article, I think I read one from IndieWire, one from Den of Geek. I just went Googling like best international horror movies. I just copy-pasted this text. Regrettably, I forgot which article it's from. Go for it. uh, Veronica, the new horror movie from rec director Paco Plaza, has gone viral as one of the scariest offerings currently on Netflix. The film is a fictional account of an alleged true story which occurred in Madrid in 1991, where a young woman died suddenly a few months after using her Ouija board. Some viewers have claimed the film is so scary they turned it off halfway through. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, I I know very little else about it. This is the other two. I kind of had a sense of what I was going to pitch. This one brand new. Found out about it uh, last night. I well, I I know it by reputation then because I've at least heard of oh. Wreck. Because uh, that yeah that, yes. that that has that's a big name in horror movies and even someone like me who does not like horror movies and is a right. big scaredy cat i've i've heard of that 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 that, that, that one so it's made uh, some waves. pitch number two is a movie uh from an iranian american filmmaker and this is called a girl walks home alone at night 
This is from 2014. Uh, this article said Iranian American filmmaker Anna Lily Amirpour made a stunning debut with this black and white vampire spaghetti western in which a young skateboarding female vampire entwines herself in the lives of the dissolute inhabitants of the Iranian ghost town Bad City. Surreal and dreamlike, yet laced with a sharp wit and original imagery, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night remains a brilliant example of just how all-encompassing, both stylistically and culturally, the horror genre can be. I, I, like, I've seen videos about this movie. It is black and white, uh, with a, yeah, with a spaghetti Western vibe to it and entirely about vampires and set in some amorphous Iranian city. That sounds fascinating. It seems like a wild time. Yeah. And this one seems like it's uh, the lightest of these three movies that we have to check. Okay. Uh, and pitch number three is an Australian movie from 20, uh, 2008 called Lake Mungo. And this is a movie... Oh, no. That is a um, uh, a mockumentary, but you know, not full of jokes. It isn't like Spinal Tap. It is just a like false documentary. Down footage stuff. Yeah, uh, this it, the movie implies mockumentary style storytelling with found footage and docufiction elements, using mm. actor interviewees to present the narrative of a family trying to come to terms with the drowning death of their daughter and the potentially supernatural events they experience after. So within the narrative of this movie, uh, this family is a, a, a daughter. She drowns. And after that, they think they may have seen her ghost. And they have a paranormal investigator come over to the house and test that out. And they end up digging deeper into uh, their daughter's life and all the things they didn't know about it. Uh, oh, under this mystery of, was, have we truly seen a ghost or not? Okay. And, it, and, it, and it's a mockumentary style. Yeah, very interesting. I think this is also supposed to be very chilling. I've, I've been intrigued by this one for a while. Good stuff, good stuff. So, pitch number one, Veronica. Pitch number two, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Or pitch number three, Lake Mungo. Man, you... Uh... Each each one you mentioned, I was I, I was like, that's gonna be, 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 be the one. And then you would do the next one, and be like, oh no, that's gonna be, be, be the one. Right. Get the next one. Oh no, that's gonna there be. There's so one. much to choose from. You know, like there's I almost put the Wailing in here, which is a South Korean film that sounded really interesting. But I thought, you know, we watched something from South Korea earlier this year, and also it was about a police officer in a small town contends with, and we've done a lot of. <laughs> Police, police officer, officer in a, in a small, small town, town contends story? with yeah that's what the leftovers is so like maybe we'll do that one next year <laughs> that's fine that's fine um i think i'm actually gonna go with lake mungo um okay yeah that one has a uh, funny sounding name so it's memorable <laughs> um but i i the it's interesting because the mockumentary style makes it seem like it would be less scary, but I know that's probably not the case, especially with all this found footage. But what I'm actually interested in is this idea of like exploring a person's life after they've passed away and like finding out things you didn't know about them. 
mm-hmm. uh, a long time ago. I, I it was I, it must have been on the review show. Or, I mean, uh, on the the whatnots podcast or like the original mm. ver- version of yeah. of this. Um, Paul and I watched uh, Six Feet uh, Under. Is that the name of the show? Yeah, the the, yes. the, the HBO show. And season one started to do something that I found fascinating, and then they left it after after that. And I was just like, "Oh, come on! That was the best part of the film." Where they they the the father uh, in that show. This is how it all starts, so it's not all spoilers. Mm. But the the father in that show passes away and they have to prepare like his funeral and figure out all of his stuff and do we need to talk to people and you know all that stuff and yeah they end up like discovering he had like this secret room that he rented atop of this bar where he had like a workspace and stuff like that and i thought that stuff was fascinating just to be like Here's this family that claimed to be so tight knit that just they still have their secrets and stuff like mm. that. So that that was neat, and I think that's why I want to pick Lake Mungo. Okay, I think you can watch this for free on Tubi. I okay. hope that is a. I hope you're able to find a commercial free option. We'll figure. I had to it watch out. Aliens last week on some platform with commercials, and I'm like this. Uh, I forget the, that this is not good. <laughs> not being into the the spooky horror, scary stuff, commercials might be good. I, it works <laughs> for some movies, but for a more tense movie, I'm like, I know this is undercutting my experience. I need a break. Maybe I need to be like, oh, okay, a commercial for Geico, something I right. know, something Stare that's not at scary. Stare my, my innocent uh, lizard so, friend. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Lemu, Emu, and Doug are here to comfort me. Exactly. Ah, oh, thanks, Jake from State Farm. Uh, I, was, <laughs> I was real worried there. <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, so yeah, Lake Mungo we will do in two weeks from now. Uh, but next week, season one of The Leftovers. Mm. With that, though, Melissa, where can the people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at WilkyWit. That's W-I-L-K-Y-W-I-T. And you can listen to my other podcasts, Saturday Morning Obscurities, where me and my brother Jams talk about weird old kids shows you feel like only you remember. Our latest episode is on But Ugly Martians. But Ugly Martians. There you go. Uh, a, a, a show I remembered nothing about except the title. <laughs> it's a pretty memorable like night like i'm yeah. assuming it was in the 90s right like late oh, it's 90s. like 2000 2001 it is okay late 90s early 2000 it is that makes sense. Uh, yeah. unnerving to look at early cgi that that makes sense yeah that makes sense uh, if you guys want to stay up to date with me, I'm at Yo Kyle Springer on Twitter. And if you guys want to follow all of the stuff that we do here at the Whatnots, we are at the Whatnots on Twitter. So please go like, share, and subscribe. You guys know the deal with all of that stuff. Uh, but with that, this has been number 175 of the Whatnots Review Show. We will see you all next time. Bye. Bye.